0: CD3 Some talk of alexander and some of hercules of hector and lysander and such great names as these in fact throughout the history of the multiverse people have said nice things about every cauliflower-eared sword-swinger at least in their vicinity on the basis that it is a lot safer that way it's funny how the people have always respected the kind of commander who comes up with strategies like I want 50,000 of you chappies to rush at the enemy. Whereas the more thoughtful commanders who say things like, Why don't we build a damn great wooden horse and then nip in at the back gate while they're all round the thing waiting for us to come out are considered only one step above common oics and not the kind of person you'd lend money to. This is because most of the first type of commander are brave men, whereas cowards make far better strategists. Rinswind was dragged before the Ephibian leaders who had set up the command post in the city's main square, so that they could oversee the storming of the central citadel, which loomed over the city on its vertiginous hill. They were not too close, however, because the defenders were dropping rocks. They were discussing strategy when Rincewind arrived. The consensus seemed to be that if really large numbers of men were sent to storm the mountain, then enough might survive the rocks to take the citadel. This is essentially the basis of all military thinking. Several of the more impressively dressed chieftains glanced up when Rincewind and Eric approached, gave them a look which suggested that maggots were more interesting, and turned away again. The only person who seemed pleased to see them didn't look like a soldier at all. He had the armour, which was tarnished, and he had the helmet, which looked as though its plume had been used as a paintbrush, but he was skinny and had all the military bearing of a weasel. There was something vaguely familiar about his face, though, Prince Rind thought it looked quite handsome. Pleased to see them was only a comparative description. He was the only one who acknowledged their existence. He was lounging in a chair and feeding the luggage with sandwiches. "'Oh, hello,' he said gloomily. "'It's you.' It was amazing how much information can be crammed into a couple of words. To achieve the same effect the man could have said, "'It's been a long night.' "'I'm having to organise everything from wooden horse building to the laundry rotor. "'These idiots are about as much help as a rubber hammer. "'I never wanted to be here anyway, and, on top of all this, there's you. "'Hello, you.' "'He indicated the luggage, which opened its lid expectantly. "'This yours?' he said. "'Sort of,' said Rinswin, guardedly. "'I can't afford to pay for anything it's done, mind you.' "'Funny little thing, isn't it?' said the soldier. "'We found it herding fifty sortians into a corner.' Why was it doing that, do you think? Rincewind thought quickly. It has this amazing ability to know when people are thinking about harming me, he said. He glared at the luggage as one might glare at a sly, evil-tempered and generally reprehensible family pet who, after years of biting visitors, has rolled over on its scabby back and played at lovable puppy to impress the bailiffs. Yes, said the man without much surprise. Magic, is it? Er, yes. Something in the wood, is it? Yes. Good job we didn't build a sodding horse out of it, then. Yes. Got into it by magic, did you? Yes. Thought so. He threw another sandwich at the luggage. Where are you from? Rincewind decided to come clean. The future, he said. This didn't have the expected effect. The man just nodded. Oh, he said. And then he said, Did we win? Yes. Oh. ''I suppose you can't remember the results of any horse races,'' said the man without much hope. ''No.'' ''I thought you probably wouldn't.'' ''Why did you open the gate for us?'' It occurred to Rincewind that saying it was because he had always been a firm admirer of the Ophibian political position would not, strangely enough, be the right thing to do. He decided to try the truth again. It was a novel approach and worth experimenting with. ''I was looking for a way out,'' he said. ''To run away?'' ''Yes.'' "'Good man. Only sensible thing in the circumstances.' "'He noticed Eric, who was staring at the other captains "'clustered around their table and deep in argument. "'You, lad,' he said, "'want to be a soldier when you grow up?' "'No, sir,' the man brightened a bit. "'That's the stuff,' he said. "'I want to be a eunuch, sir,' Eric added. "'Rincewind's head turned as though it was being dragged. "'Why?' he said, "'and then came up with the obvious answer at the same time as Eric.' ''Because you get to work in a harem all day long,'' they chorused slowly. The captain coughed. ''You're not this boy's teacher, are you?'' he said. ''No.'' ''Do you think anyone has explained to him?'' ''No.'' ''Perhaps it would be a good idea if I got one of the centurions to have a word. You'd be amazed at the grasp of language those chaps have got.'' ''Do him the power of good, I expect,'' said Rinswind. The soldier picked up his helmet, sighed, "'Nodded at the sergeant and smoothed out the creases in his cloak. "'It was a grubby cloak. "'I think I'm expected to tell you off or something,' he said. "'What for?' "'Spoiling the war, apparently. "'Spoiling the war?' "'The soldier sighed. "'Come on, let's go for a stroll. "'Sergeant, you and a couple of lads, please.' "'A stone whistled down from the fort high above them and shattered. "'They can hold out for bloody weeks up there,' said the soldier gloomily. "'as they walked away with the luggage padding patiently behind them. "'I'm Laviolus, who are you?' "'He's my demon,' said Eric. "'Laviolus raised an eyebrow, "'the closest he ever came to expressing surprise at anything. "'Is he? I suppose it takes all sorts. "'Any good at getting in places, is he?' "'He's more the getting out kind,' said Eric. "'Right,' said Laviolus. "'He stopped beside a building "'and walked up and down a bit with his hands in his pockets.' "'tapping on the flagstones with the toe of his sandal. "'Just here, I think, sergeant,' he said after a while. "'Right you are, sir.' "'Look at that lot, will you?' said Laviolus, "'while the sergeant and his men started to lever up the stones. "'That bunch around the table. "'Brave lads, I'll grant you, but look at them. "'Too busy posing for triumphant statues "'and making sure the historians spell the names right. "'Bloody years we've been laying siege to this place. "'More military, they,' said. "'You know, they actually enjoy it. "'I mean, when all's said and done, who cares? "'Let's just get it over with and go on, that's what I say.' "'Found it, sir,' said the sergeant. "'Right.' Laviolus didn't look round. "'Okay,' he rubbed his hands together. "'Let's sort this out and then we can get an early night. "'Would you care to accompany me? "'Your pet might be useful.' "'What are we going to do?' said Rincewind, suspiciously. "'We're just going to meet some people.' "'Is it dangerous?' "'A stone smashed through the roof of the building nearby. "'No, not really,' said Laviolus. "'Compared to staying out here, I mean. "'And if the rest of them tried to storm the place, you know, "'in a proper military way.' "'The hole led into a tunnel. "'The tunnel, after winding a bit, led to stairs. Laviolus mooched along it, "'occasionally kicking bits of fallen masonry "'as if he had a personal grudge against them. Er, uh, said Rincewind, "'where does this lead?' "'Oh, it's just a secret passageway to the centre of the citadel.' "'You know, I thought it would be something like that,' said Rincewind. "'I've got an instinct for it, you know. "'And I expect all the ready-topped Sortians will be up there, will they?' "'I hope so,' said Laviolus, trudging up the steps. "'With lots of guards? Dozens, I imagine. "'Highly trained, too?' Laviolus nodded. "'The best.' "'And this is where we're going?' said Rincewind, "'determined to explore the full horror of the plan "'as one probes the sight of a rotting tooth.' "'That's right.' "'All six of us. "'And your box, of course.' "'Oh, yes,' said Rinswind, making a face in the darkness. "'The sergeant tapped him gently on the shoulder and leaned forward. "'Don't you worry about the captain, sir,' he said. "'He's got the finest military brain on the continent.' "'How do you know? "'Has anyone ever seen it?' said Rinswind. "'You see, sir, what it is. "'He likes to get it over with without anyone getting hurt, sir, especially him.' "'That's why he dreams up things like the horse, sir, "'and bribing people and that. "'We got into civies last night and came in "'and got drunk in a pub with one of the palace cleaners, see, "'and found out about this tunnel.' "'Yes, but secret passages,' said Rincewind. "'There'll be guards and everything at the other end.' "'No, sir, they use it to store the cleaning things, sir.' "'There was a clang in the darkness ahead of them. Laviolas had tripped over a mop. "'Sergeant, sir.' Just open the door, will you? Eric was tugging at Rinswin's robe. What? said Rinswin testily. You know who Laviolus is, don't you? whispered Eric. Well, he's Laviolus. Get away. Don't you know the classics? That isn't one of those horse races we're supposed to remember, is it? Eric rolled his eyes. Laviolus was responsible for the fall of the sort on account of being so cunning, he said. "'And then afterwards it took him ten years to get home "'and he had all sorts of adventures with temptresses "'and sirens and sensual witches. "'Well, I can see why you've been studying him. Ten years, eh? Where did he live?' "'About two hundred miles away,' said Eric earnestly. "'Kept getting lost, did he? "'And when he got home he fought his wife's suitors and everything "'and his dear old dog recognised him and died. "'Oh, dear. "'It was the carrying his slippers in his mouth for fifteen years "'that killed it off.' "'Shame. "'And you know what, Demon? "'All this hasn't happened yet. "'We could save him all that trouble.' "'Rincewind thought about this. "'We could tell him to get a better navigator for a start,' he said. "'There was a creak. "'The soldiers had got the door open. "'Everyone fall in or whatever the bloody stupid command is,' said Laviolus. "'The magic box to the front, please. "'No killing anyone unless it's really necessary. "'Try not to damage things. "'Right, forward.' The door led to a column-lined corridor. There was a distant murmur of voices. The troop crept towards the sound until it reached a heavy curtain. Laviolas took a deep breath, pushed it aside and stepped forward and launched into a prepared speech. "'Now, I want to make myself absolutely clear,' he said, "'I don't want there to be any unpleasantness of any kind or any shouting for guards and so forth, "'or indeed any shouting at all. "'We will just take the young lady and go on, which is where anyone of any sense ought to be.' "'Otherwise, I shall really have to put everyone to the sword, "'and I hate having to do things like that.' "'The audience to this statement did not appear to be impressed. "'This was because it was a small child on a potty. Laviolas changed mental gear and went on smoothly. "'On the other hand, if you don't tell me where everyone is, "'I shall ask the sergeant here to give you a really hard smack.' "'The child took its thumb out of its mouth. "'Mummy is seeing to Cassie,' it said. "'Are you Mr. Beakle?" I don't think so, said Laviolus. Mr Beekle is a silly. The child withdrew its thumb, and with the air of one concluding some exhaustive research, added Mr Beakle is a poo. Sergeant, sir. Guard this child. Yes, sir. Corporal Sarge Take care of the kid. Yes, Sarge. Private Archaeos Yes, Corp, said the soldier, his voice gloomy with prescience. See to the Sprog! Private Archaos looked around. There were only Rincewind and Eric left, and while it was true that a civilian was in every respect the lowest possible rank there was, coming somewhere after the regimental donkey, the expressions on their faces suggested that they weren't about to take any orders. Laviolis wandered across the room and listened at another curtain. We could tell him all kinds of stuff about his future, hissed Eric. He had... I mean, he will have... "'All kinds of things happened to him. shipwrecks and magic, "'and all his crew turned into animals and stuff like that.' "'Yes, we could say walk home,' said Rincewind. "'The curtains swished aside. "'There was a woman there, plump, "'good-looking in a slightly faded way, "'wearing a black dress and the beginnings of a moustache. "'A number of children of varying sizes "'were trying to hide behind her. "'Rincewind counted at least seven of them. "'Who's that?' said Eric. Ahem, said Rincewind, I rather think it's Eleanor of sort. Don't be silly, whispered Eric. She looks like my mum. Eleanor was much younger and was all... His voice gave out and he made several wavy motions with his hand, indicative of the shape of a woman who would probably be unable to keep her balance. Rinswind tried not to catch the sergeant's eye. Yes, he said, going a bit red. Well, you see, um... "'You're absolutely right, but, well, it's been a long siege, hasn't it, "'what with one thing and another?' "'I don't see what that's got to do with it,' said Eric sternly. "'The classics never said anything about children. "'They said she spent all her time mooning around the towers of sort "'and pining for her lost love.' "'Well, yes, I expect she did pine a bit,' said Rincewind. "'Only, you know, you can only pine so much "'and it must have been a bit chilly up on those towers.' You can catch your death, moaning, nodded the sergeant. Laviolus watched the woman thoughtfully. Then he bowed. I expect you know why we're here, my lady, he said. If you touch any of the children, I shall scream, said Eleanor flatly. Once again, Laviolus showed that along with his guerrilla abilities was a marked reluctance to waste a prepared speech once he had it all sorted out in his head. Fair maiden, he began, we have faced many dangers in order to rescue you and take you back to your loved... His voice faltered. Once, er, uh, this has all gone terribly wrong, hasn't it? I can't help it, said Eleanor. The siege seemed to go on for such a long time, and King Mausoleum was very kind, and I never liked it much in a Phoebe anyway. Where is everyone now, that Sortians, I mean, apart from you? They are all out on the battlements, throwing rocks, if you must know. Laviolus flung up his hands in desperation. "'Couldn't you, you know, have slipped us a note or something "'or invited us to one of the christenings?' "'You all seem to be enjoying yourselves so much,' she said. Laviolis turned and shrugged gloomily. "'All right,' he said. "'Fine. QED. No problem. "'I wanted to leave home and spend ten years sitting in a swamp "'with a bunch of meat-headed morons. "'It wasn't as if I had anything important to do back home, "'just a little kingdom to rule, that sort of thing. "'Okay. Well, then, we might as well be off.' "'I'm sure I don't know how I shall break it to everyone,' he said bitterly. "'They were having such fun. "'They'll probably have a bloody great banquet and laugh about it "'and get drunk. It'll be their style.' "'He looked at Rincewind and Eric. "'You might as well tell me what happens next,' he said. "'I'm sure you know.' "'Um,' said Rincewind. "'The city burns down,' said Eric. "'Especially the topless towers. "'I didn't get to see them,' he added sulkily. "'Who did it, their lot or our lot?' said Laviolus.' "'Your lot, I think,' said Eric. Laviolis sighed. "'Sounds like them,' he said. He turned to Eleanor. "'Our lot—that is, my lot—are going to burn down the city,' he said. "'It sounds very heroic. "'Just the kind of thing they go for. "'It might be a good idea to come with us. "'Bring the kids. "'Make it a day out for all the family. "'Why don't you?' "'Eric pulled Rincewind's ear towards his mouth. "'This is a joke, isn't it?' he said. "'She's not really the fair Eleanor. "'You're just having me on.' It's always the same with these hot-blooded types, said Rinswind. They definitely go downhill at 35. It's the pasta that does it, said the sergeant. But I read where she was the most beautiful. Ah well, said the sergeant. If you're going to go around reading, the thing is, said Rinswind quickly, it's what they call dramatic necessity. No one's going to be interested in a war fought over a a quite pleasant lady moderately attractive in a good light, are they? Eric was nearly in tears. ''But it said her face launched a thousand ships.'' ''That's what you call metaphor,'' said Rincewind. ''Lying,'' the sergeant explained kindly. ''Anyway, you shouldn't believe everything you read in the classics,'' Rincewind added. ''They never check their facts. They're just out to sell legends.'' Laviolus, meanwhile, was deep in argument with Eleanor. ''All right, all right,'' he said. ''Stay here if you like. Why should I care? Come on, you lot, we're going.'' "'What are you doing, Private Archaos?' "'I'm being a horse, sir,' uh, explained the soldier. "'He's Mr Pooh,' said the child, who was wearing Private Archaos's helmet. "'Well, when you finish finished being a horse, find us an oil lamp. "'I caught my knees a right wallop in that tunnel.' "'Flames roared over the sort. "'The entire hubward sky was red. "'Rinswind and Eric watched from a rock down by the beach. "'They're not topless towers anyway.' "'said Eric after a while. "'I can see the tops.' "'I think they meant topple-less towers,' Rincewind hazarded, "'as another one collapsed red-hot into the ruins of the city. "'And that was wrong too.' "'They watched in silence for a while longer, "'and then Eric said, "'Funny that. "'The way you tripped over the luggage and dropped the lamp and everything.' "'Yes,' said Rincewind shortly. "'Makes you think history is always going to find a way to work itself out.' "'Yes.' "'Good, though, the way your luggage rescued everyone.' "'Yes.' "'Funny to see all those kids riding on its back.' "'Yes.' "'Everyone seems quite pleased about it.' The opposing armies were, at any rate. No one was bothering to ask the civilians, whose views on warfare were never very reliable. Among the soldiery, at least among the soldiery of a certain rank, there was a lot of back-slapping and telling of anecdotes, jovial exchanging of shields, and a general consensus that, what with fires and sieges and armadas and wooden horses and everything— "'It had been a jolly good war.' "'The sound of singing echoed across the wine-dark sea. "'Ark at them,' said Laviolus, "'emerging from the gloom around the beached Phoebian ships. "'It'll be fifteen choruses of the ball of Philodephus next. "'You mark my words. lot of idiots with their brains and their jock-straps.' "'He sat down on the rock. "Bastards," he said with feeling. "'Do you think Eleanor will be able to explain it all to her boyfriend?' "'said Eric.' ''I imagine so,'' said Laviolus. ''They usually can.'' ''She did get married, and she's got lots of children,'' said Eric. Laviolus shrugged. ''A moment's wild passion,'' he said. He gave Rincewind a sharp look. ''Hey, you demon,'' he said. ''I'd like a quiet word, if I may.'' He led Rincewind towards the boats, pacing heavily across the damp sand, as if there was a lot weighing on his mind. ''I'm going home tonight on the tide,'' he said. ''No sense in hanging about here, what with the war being over and everything.'' "'Good idea.' "'If there's one thing I ate, it's sea voyages,' said Laviolus. "'He gave the nearest boat a kick. "'It's all idiots striding around and shouting, you know, "'pull this, lower that, avast the other, and I get seasick too.' "'It's heights with me,' said Rincewind, sympathetically. "'Laviolus kicked the boat again, "'obviously wrestling with some big emotional problem. "'The well, thing is,' he said wretchedly, "'you wouldn't happen to know if I get home all right, would you?' "'What?' It's only a few hundred miles. It shouldn't take too long, should it? said Laviolus, radiating anxiety like a lighthouse. Oh. Rincewind looked at the man's face. Ten years, he thought, and all kinds of weird stuff with winged wasp names and sea monsters. On the other hand, would it do him any good to know? You get home OK, he said. You're well known for it, in fact. There's whole legends about you going home. Phew. Laviolas leaned against a hull, took off his helmet and wiped his forehead. "'That's a load off my mind, I'll tell you. "'I was afraid the gods might have a grudge against me.' "'Rincewind said nothing. "'They get a bit angry if you go around thinking up ideas "'like wooden horses and tunnels,' said Laviolas. "'They're traditionalists, you know. "'They prefer people just to hack at one another. "'I thought, you see, that if I could show people "'how to get what they wanted more easily, "'they'd stop being so bloody stupid.' "'From further along the shoreline came the sounds of male voices raised in song.' "'Bestal virgins came down from Helio, Deli, Philo, Deli, Phobos, Crominos, Meninos, "'and when the ball was over, there were—' "'It never works,' said Rincewind. "'It's got to be worth a try, though, hasn't it?' "'Oh, yeah.' Laviolus slapped him on the back. "'Cheer up,' he said. "'Things can only get better.' "'They walked out into the Dark Breakers where Laviolus' ship was riding at anchor, "'and Rincewind watched him swim out and climb aboard. "'After a while the oars were shipped—' or unshipped, or whatever they called it when they were stuck through the holes in the sides, and the boat moved slowly out into the bay. A few voices floated back over the surf. "'Point the pointed end that way, Sergeant.' "'Aye, aye, sir.' "'And don't shout. Did I tell you to shout? Why do you have to shout? Now "'I'm going downstairs for a lie down.' Rincewind trudged back up the beach. "'The trouble is,' he said, "'is that things never get better. "'They just stay the same, only more so.' But he's going to have enough to worry about. Behind him, Eric blew his nose. That was the saddest thing I've ever heard, he said. From further along the beach, the Ephibian and Sortian armies were still in full voice around their convivial campfires. The village harpy, was there. Come on, said Rincewind. Let's go home. Another you know funny thing about his name, said Eric as they strolled along the sand. No? What do you mean? Laviolus means rincer of winds. Rincewind? Looked at him. He's my ancestor, he said. Who knows? said Eric. Oh. Gosh. Rincewind thought about this. Well, I wish I'd told him to avoid getting married or visiting Ankh Morpork. It probably isn't even built yet. Rincewind tried snapping his fingers. This time it worked. Astafagel sat back. He wondered what did happen to Laviolus. Gods and demons. Being creatures outside of time don't move in it like bubbles in the stream. Everything happens at the same time for them. This should mean that they know everything that is going to happen because, in a sense, it already has. The reason they don't is that reality is a big place with a lot of interesting things going on, and keeping track of all of them is like trying to use a very big video recorder with no freeze button or tape counter. It's usually easier just to wait and see. One day, he'd have to go and look. Right here and now, insofar as the words can be employed about an area outside of space and time, matters were not progressing well. Eric seemed marginally more likeable, which wasn't acceptable. He also appeared to have changed the course of history, although this is impossible, since the only thing you can do to the course of history is facilitate it. What was needed was something climactic, something really soul-destroying. The demon king realised he was twirling his moustaches. The trouble with snapping your fingers is that you never knew what it would lead to. Everything around Rincewind was black. It wasn't simply an absence of colour. It was a darkness that flatly denied any possibility that colour might ever have existed. His feet weren't touching anything, and he appeared to be floating. There was something else missing. He couldn't quite put his finger on it. "'Are you there, Eric?' he ventured. A clear voice nearby said, "'Yes, are you there, demon?' "'Yes. Where are we? Are we falling?' "'I don't think so,' said Rincewind, speaking from experience. "'There's no rushing wind. You get a rushing wind when you're falling. Also, your past life flashes before your eyes, and I haven't seen anything I recognise yet.' "'Rincewind?' "'Yes.' "'When I open my mouth, no sounds come out. Don't be—' Rincewind hesitated. He wasn't making any sound either. He knew what he was saying— It just wasn't reaching the outside world. But he could hear Eric. Perhaps the words just gave up on his ears and went straight to his brain. It's probably some kind of magic or something, he said. There's no air. That's why there's no sound. All the little bits of air sort of knock together like marbles. That's how you get sound, you know. Is it? Gosh! So we're surrounded by absolutely nothing, said Rincewind. Total nothing. He hesitated. There's a word for it, he said. It's what you get when there's nothing left and everything's been used up. Yes, I think it's called the bill, said Eric. Rincewind gave this some thought. It sounded about right. OK, he said. The bill. That's where we are. Floating in absolute bill. Total, complete, rock-hard bill. Astvogel was going frantic now. He had spells that could find anyone, anywhere, any when, and they weren't anywhere. One minute he was watching them on the beach, the next nothing. That left only two other places. Fortunately, he chose the wrong one first. Even some stars would be nice, said Eric. There's something very odd about all this, said Rinswind. I mean do you feel cold? No, "'Well, do you feel warm?' "'No, I don't feel anything much, really.' "'No hot, no cold, no lights, no heat, no air,' said Rincewind. "'Just Bill. "'How long have we been here?' "'Don't know. "'Seems like ages, but... Aha. "'I'm not sure there's any time, either. "'Not what you'd call proper time, "'just the kind of time people make up as they go along.' "'Well, I didn't expect to see anyone else here,' "'said a voice by Rincewind's ear.' It was a slightly put-upon voice, a voice made for complaining in, but at least there was no hint of menace. Rincewind let himself float around. A little rat-faced man was sitting cross-legged, watching him with vague suspicion. He had a pencil behind one ear. "'Ah, oh, hello,' said Rincewind. "'And where it is here, exactly?' "'Nowhere. Sole point, innit?' "'Nowhere at all. Not yet.' "'All right,' said Eric. "'When is it going to be somewhere?' Hard to say, said the little man, looking at the pair of you and taking one thing with another, metabolic rates and all that. I'd say this place is due to become somewhere in, well, give or take a bit, in about five hundred seconds. He began to unwrap the pack in his lap. Fancy a sandwich while we're waiting? What? Would I? At this point Rinswin's stomach, aware that if his brain was allowed to make the running it was in danger of losing the initiative, cut in and prompted him to say, What sort? Search me. What sort would you like it to be? Sorry? Don't mess about. Just say what sort you'd like it to be. Oh? Rincewind stared at him. Well, if you've got egg and cress... Let there be egg and cress sort of thing, said the little man. He reached into the package and proffered a white triangle to Rincewind. Gosh, said Rincewind. What a coincidence. It should be starting any minute now, said the little man. Over... "'Not that they've got any proper directions sorted out yet, of course. "'Not them. There.' "'All I can see is darkness,' said Eric. "'No, you can't,' said the little man triumphantly. "'You're just seeing what there is before the darkness has been installed sort of thing.' "'He gave the not-yet-darkness a dirty look. "'Come on,' he said. "'Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting?' "'Waiting for what?' said Rincewind. "'Everything?' "'Everything what?' "'said Rincewind. "'Everything, not everything what? "'Everything sort of thing.' "'Astvigal peered around through the swirling gas clouds. "'At least he was in the right place. "'The whole point about the end of the universe "'was that you couldn't go past it accidentally. "'The last few embers winked out. "'Time and space collided silently and collapsed. "'Astvigal coughed. "'It can get so very lonely "'when you're twenty million light-years from home.' "'Anyone there?' he said. "'Yes.' "'The voice was right by his ear. "'Even demon kings can shiver. "'Apart from you, I mean,' he said. "'Have you seen anybody?' "'Yes.' "'Who?' "'Everyone.' "'Asthvigal sighed. "'I mean anyone recently?' "'It's been very quiet,' said Death. "'Damn!' "'Were you expecting someone else?' "'I thought there might be someone called Rincewind, but Astavagal began. "'Death's eye-sockets flared red. "'The wizard,' he said. no, he's a deep—' "'Astavagal stopped. "'For what would have been several seconds, had time still existed, "'he floated in a state of horrible suspicion. "'A human!' he growled. "'It is stretching the term a little, but you are broadly correct.' Well, I'll be damned, Astvigal said. I believe you already are. The demon king extended a shaking hand. His mounting fury was overriding his sense of style, his red silk gloves ripped as the talons unfolded. And then, because it's never a good idea to get on the wrong side of anyone with a scythe, Astvigal said, Sorry you've been troubled, and vanished. Only when he judged himself out of death's extremely acute hearing did he scream his rage. Nothingness uncoiled its interminable length through the draughty spaces at the end of time. Death waited. After a while, his skeletal fingers began to drum on the handle of his scythe. Darkness lapped around him. There wasn't even any infinity anymore. He attempted to whistle a few snatches of unpopular songs between his teeth, but the sound was simply sucked into nothingness. Forever was over. All the sands had fallen. The great race between entropy and energy had been run, and the favourite had been the winner after all. Perhaps he ought to sharpen the blade again. Nah. Not much point, really. Great rolls of absolutely nothing stretched into what would have been called the distance if there had been a space-time reference frame to give words like distance any sensible meaning anymore. "'There didn't seem to be much to do.' "'Perhaps it's time to call it a day,' he thought. "'Death turned to go, but, just as he did so, "'he heard the faintest of noises. "'It was, to sound, what one photon is to light, "'so weak and feeble that it would have passed entirely unheard "'in the din of an operating universe. "'It was the tiny piece of matter popping into existence.' Death stalked over to the point of arrival and watched carefully. It was a paperclip. Many people think it should have been a hydrogen molecule, but this is against the observed facts. Everyone who has found a hitherto unknown egg whisk jamming an innocent kitchen drawer knows that raw matter is continually flowing into the universe in fairly developed forms, popping into existence normally in ashtrays, vases and glove compartments. It chooses its shape to allay suspicion, and common manifestations are paper clips, the pins out of shirt packaging, the little keys for central heating radiators, marbles, bits of crayon, mysterious sections of herb chopping devices, and old Kate Bush albums. Why matter does this is unclear, but it is evident that matter has plans. It is also apparent that creators sometimes favor the Big Bang method of universe construction and at other times use the more gentle methods of continuous creation. This follows studies by cosmotherapists, which have revealed that the violence of the Big Bang can give a universe serious psychological problems when it gets older. A paperclip. Well, it was a start. There was another pop, which left a small white shirt button spinning gently in the vacuum. Death relaxed a little. Of course it was going to take some time... There was going to be an interlude before all this got complicated enough to produce gas clouds, galaxies, planets and continents, let alone tiny corkscrew-shaped things wiggling around in slimy pools, and wondering whether evolution was worth all the bother of growing fins and legs and things. But it indicated the start of an unstoppable trend. All he had to do was be patient, and he was good at that. Pretty soon they would be living creatures, developing like mad, running and laughing in the new sunlight." growing tired, growing old. Death sat back. He could wait. Whenever they needed him, he'd be there. The universe came into being. Any created-again cosmogonist will tell you that all the interesting stuff happened in the first couple of minutes, when nothingness bunched together to form space and time and lots of really tiny black holes appeared and so on. After that, they say, it became just a matter of well, matter. It was basically all over by the microwave radiation. Seen from close by, though, it had a certain gaudy attraction. The little man sniffed. "'Too showy,' he said. "'You don't need all that noise. It could just as easily have been a big hiss or a bit of music.' "'Could it?' said Rincewind. "'Yeah, and it looked pretty iffy around the two-picosecond mark. Definitely a bit of ropey filling in. But that's how it goes these days. No craftsmanship.' When I was a lad, it took days to make a universe. You could take a bit of pride in it. Now they just throw it together and it's back on the lorry and away. And you know what? No, said Rincewind weakly. They pinch his stuff off the site. They find someone nearby who wants to expand their universe a bit. Next thing you know, they've had it away with a bunch of firmament and flogged it for an extension somewhere. Rincewind stared at him. Who are you? The man took the pencil from behind his ear and looked reflectively at the space around Rincewind. "'I makes things,' he said. "'What sort of things?' "'What sort of things would you like?' "'You're the creator?' "'The little man looked very embarrassed. "'Not thee, not thee, just a. don't contract for the big stuff, "'the stars, the gas giants, the pulsars and so on. "'I just specialise in what you might call the bespoke trade.' "'He gave them a look of defiant pride. "'I do all my own trees, you know,' he confided. "'Craftsmanship.' "'Takes years to learn how to make a tree, even the conifers.' "'Oh,' said Rincewind. "'I don't get someone in to finish them off. "'No subcontracting. that's my motto. "'The buggers always keep you hanging about "'while they're installing stars or something for someone else.' "'The little man sighed. "'You know, people think it must all be very easy, creating. "'They think you just have to move on the face of the waters "'and wave your hands a bit. "'It's not like that at all.' "'It isn't?' "'The little man scratched his nose again.' You soon run out of ideas for snowflakes, for example. Oh? You start thinking it'd be a doddle to sneak in a few identical ones. You do? You think to yourself, there's a billion trillion squillion of them no one's going to notice, but that's where professionalism comes in, sort of thing. It does? Some people, and here the creator looked sharply at the unformed matter still streaming past, think it's enough to install a few basic physical formulas and then take the money and run... "'A billion years later, you've got leaks all over the sky, "'black holes the size of your head, "'and when you pray up to complain, "'there's just a girl on the counter "'who says she don't know where the boss is. "'I think people appreciate the personal touch, don't you?' "'Ah,' said Rincewind, "'so, when people get struck by lightning, "'um, it's not just because of all that stuff "'about electrical discharges and high points and everything. "'Um, you actually mean it. "'Oh, not me. "'I don't run the things.' A big enough job just building them You can't expect me to operate them as well There is a load of other universes you know He added A slight note of accusation in his voice Got a list of jobs as long as you're arm He reached underneath him And produced a large leather-bound book Which he had apparently been sitting on It opened with a creak Rinswind felt a tugging at his robe Look, said Eric This isn't really hame, is it? He says it is, said Rinswind. What are we doing here? I don't know the creator glared at him. ''A little quiet there, please,'' he said. ''But listen,'' hysteric, ''if he really is the creator of the world, that sandwich is a religious relic.'' ''Gosh,'' said Rinswind weakly. He hadn't eaten for ages. He wondered what the penalty was for eating a venerated object. It was probably severe. ''You could put it in a temple somewhere, and millions of people would come to look at it.'' Rinswind cautiously levered up the top slice of bread. "'It's got no mayonnaise in it,' he said. "'Will that still count?' "'The creator cleared his throat and began to read aloud. Astfigal surfed across the entropy slope "'an angry red spark against the swirls of interspace. "'He was so angry now that the last vestiges of self-control were slipping away. "'His jaunty cap with its stylish hornlets "'had become a mere wisp of crimson "'dangling from the tip of one of the great coiled ram's horns that framed his skull.' With a rather sensuous ripping noise, the red silk across his back tore open and his wings unfolded. They are conventionally represented as leathery, but leather wouldn't survive more than a few seconds in that environment. Besides, it doesn't fold up very well. These wings were made of magnetism and shaped space, and spread out until they were a faint curtain against the incandescent firmament, and they beat as slowly and inexorably as the rise of civilizations. They still looked bat-like, but that was just for the sake of tradition. Somewhere around the 29th millennium, he was overtaken, quite without noticing, by something small and oblong, and probably even angrier than he was. Eight spells go to make up the world. Rincewind knew that well enough. He knew that the book which contained them was the Octavo, because it still existed in the Library of Unseen University currently inside a welded iron box at the bottom of a specially dug shaft where its magical radiations could be kept under control. Rincewind had wondered how it had all started. He'd imagined a sort of explosion in reverse, with interstellar gases roaring together to form great Atuin, or at least a roll of thunder, or something. Instead, there was a faint musical twang, and where the Discworld hadn't been, there the Discworld was, as if it had been hiding somewhere the whole time. He also realised that the feeling of falling he had so recently learned to live with was one he was probably going to die with too. As the world appeared beneath him, it brought this eon's special offer, gravity, available in a choice of strengths from your nearest massive planetary body. He said, as so often happens on these occasions, Aah! The creator, still sitting serenely in mid-air, appeared beside him as he plummeted. Nice clouds, don't you think? Done a good job on the clouds, he said. Ah Rincewind repeated. Something the matter. Ah That's humans for you, said the creator. Always rushing off somewhere. He leaned closer. It's not up to me, of course, but I've often wondered what it is that goes through your heads. It's gonna be my fate in a minute, screamed Rincewind. Eric, falling alongside him, tugged at his ankle. That's not the way to talk to the creator of the universe, he shouted. "'Just tell him to do something. "'Make the ground soft or something.' "'Oh, I don't know if I could do that,' said the creator. "'It's causality regulations. "'I'd have the inspector down on me like a ton of... Uh, "'a ton of... Uh, "'a ton of weight,' he added. "'I could probably knock you up a really spongy bog. or well, quicksand's very popular at the moment. "'I could do you a complete quicksand with marsh and swamp. "'En-suite, no problem.' <coughs> said Rincewind. "'You're going to have to speak up a bit. "'I'm sorry. "'Wait a moment.' There was another harmonious twanging noise. When Rincewind opened his eyes, he was standing on a beach. So was Eric. The creator floated nearby. There was no rushing wind. He hadn't got so much as a bruise. I just wedged the thingy in the velocities and positions, said the creator, noticing his expression. Now, what was it you were saying? I rather wanted to stop plunging to my death, said Rincewind. Oh, good, well, glad that's sorted out then. The creator looked around distractedly. "'You haven't seen my book around, have you? "'I thought I had it in my hand when I started,' he sighed. "'Lose me own head next. "'I'd done a whole world once and completely left out the Fingles, "'not one of the buggers. "'Couldn't get them at a the time, "'told myself I could nip back when they was in stock. "'Completely forgot. "'Imagine that. "'No one spotted it, of course, "'because obviously they just evolved there "'and they didn't know there ought to be Fingles, "'but it was definitely causing them deep, you know, psychological problems. "'Deep down inside they could tell there was something missing sort of thing.' The creator pulled himself together. Anyway, I can't hang about all day, he said. Like I said, I've got a lot of jobs on. Lots, said Eric. I thought there was only one. Oh no, there's masses of them, said the creator, beginning to fade away. That's quantum mechanics for you, see. You don't do it once and have done. No, they keep on branching off. Multiple choice, they call it. It's like painting the... uh, Painting the... "'Painting something very big that you have to keep on painting sort of thing. "'It's all very well saying you just have to change one little detail, "'but which one? That's the real bugger. "'Well, nice to have met you. "'If you need any extra work, you know, an extra moon or something. "'Hey!' The creator reappeared, his eyebrows raised in polite surprise. "'What happens now?' said Rincewind. "'Now? Well, I imagine there'll be some gods along soon. "'They don't wait long to move in, you know, like flies round a, um... "'Flies round a... uh, well, like flies. "'They tend to be a bit high spirited to start with, but they soon settle down. "'I suppose they take care of all the people, etc.' "'The creator leaned forward. "'I've never been any good at doing people. "'Never seem to get their arms and legs right.' "'He vanished. "'They waited. "'I think he's really gone this time,' said Eric after a while. "'What a nice man.' "'You certainly understand a lot more about why the world is like it is "'after talking to him,' said Rincewind. "'What are quantum mechanics?' "'I don't know. People who repair quantums, I suppose.' Rinswind looked at the egg and cress sandwich still in his hand. "'There was still no mayonnaise in it, and the bread was soggy. "'But it would be thousands of years before there was another one. "'There had to be the dawn of agriculture, the domestication of animals, "'the evolution of the bread knife from its primitive flint ancestry, "'the development of dairy technology.' and, if there was any desire to make a proper job of it, the cultivation of olive trees, pepper plants, salt pans, vinegar fermentation processes, and the techniques of elementary food chemistry, before the world would see another one like it. It was unique, a little white triangle full of anachronisms, lost and all alone in an unfriendly world. He bit it anyway. It wasn't very nice. "'What I don't understand,' said Eric, "'is why we are here.' I take it that isn't a philosophical question, said Rincewind. I take it you mean, why are we here at the dawn of creation on this beach which has hardly been used? Yes, that's what I meant. Rincewind sat down on a rock and sighed. I think it's pretty obvious, isn't it? he said. You wanted to live forever. I didn't say anything about travelling in time, said Eric. I was very clear about it, so there'd be no tricks. There isn't a trick. The wish is trying to be helpful. I mean... It's pretty obvious when you think about it. Forever means the entire span of space and time. Forever. For-ever. See? You mean you have to sort of start at square one? Precisely. But that's no good. It's going to be years before there's anyone else around. Centuries, corrected Rincewind gloomily. Millennia. Eons. And then there's going to be all kinds of wars and monsters and stuff. Most of history is pretty appalling when you look hard at it, or even not very hard. But what I meant was, I just wanted to go on living forever from now, said Eric frantically. I mean, from then. I mean, look at this place. No girls, no people, nothing to do on Saturday nights. It won't even have any Saturday nights for thousands of years, said Rincewind. Just nights. You must take me back at once, said Eric. I order it, avant. You say that one more time, and I will give you a thick ear, said Rincewind. But all you have to do is snap your fingers. It won't work. You've had your three wishes. Sorry. What shall I do? Well, if you see anything crawl out of the sea and try to breathe, you could try telling it not to bother. You think this is funny, don't you? It is rather amusing, since you mention it, said Rincewind, his face expressionless. "'The joke's going to be wearing pretty thin over the years, then,' said Eric. "'What?' "'Well, you're not going to go anywhere, are you? You'll have to stay with me.' "'Nonsense! I'll—' "'Rincewind looked around desperately. "'I'll what?' he thought. "'The waves rolled peacefully up the beach, "'not very strongly at the moment, because they were still feeling their way. "'The first high tide was coming in, cautiously. "'There was no tide-line.' No streaky line of old seaweed and shells to give it some idea of what was expected of it. The air had the clean, fresh smell of air that has yet to know the effusions of a forest floor or the ins and outs of a ruminant's digestive system. Rincewind had grown up in Ankh-Morpork. He liked air that had been around a bit, had got to know people, had been lived in. We've got to get back, he said urgently. That's what I've been saying, said Eric with a strained patience. Rincewind took another bite of the sandwich. He'd looked death in the face many times, or more precisely, death had looked him in the back of his rapidly retreating head many times, and suddenly the prospect of living forever did not appeal. There were, of course, great questions he might learn the answer to, such as how life evolved and all the rest of it, but looked at as a way of spending all your spare time for the next infinity, it wasn't a patch on a quiet evening strolling through the streets of Ankh. Still, he'd acquired an ancestor, that was something. Not everyone had an ancestor. "'What would his ancestor have done in a situation like this? "'He wouldn't have been here. "'Well, yes, of course, but apart from that, he would have... "'He would have used his fine military mind to consider the tools available. "'That's what he would have done. "'He had item. "'One half-eaten egg and cress sandwich. "'No help there. "'He threw it away. "'He had item himself. "'He drew a tick in the sand. "'He wasn't certain what use he could be, "'but he could come back to that later.' He had item Eric, 13-year-old demonologist and acne attack ground zero. That seemed to be about it. He stared at the clean, fresh sand for a while, doodling in it. Then he said quietly, ''Eric, come here a moment.'' The waves were a lot stronger now. They had really got the hang of the tide thing and were venturing a little ebb and flow. Astvigal materialised in a puff of blue smoke, Aha," ha he said. "'But this fell rather flat "'because there was no one to hear it.' "'He looked down. "'There were footprints in the sand, hundreds of them. "'They ran backwards and forwards "'as if something had been frantically searching "'and then vanished. "'He leaned nearer. "'It was hard to make out "'what with all the footprints "'and the effects of the wind and the tide, "'but just on the edge of the encroaching surf "'were the unmistakable signs of a magic circle. "'Astvigal,' "'said a swear word that fused the sand around him into glass, and vanished. "'The tide got on with things. "'Further down the beach the last surge poured into a hollow in the rocks, "'and the new sun beamed down on the soaking remains "'of a half-eaten egg-and-crest sandwich. "'Tidal action turned it over. Thousands of bacteria suddenly found themselves "'in the midst of a taste explosion, and started to breed like mad. "'If only there had been some mayonnaise, "'life might have turned out a whole lot different.' more piquant, and perhaps with a little extra cream in it. Travelling by magic always had major drawbacks. There was the feeling that your stomach was lagging behind, and your mind filled up with terror because the destination was always a little uncertain. It wasn't that you could come out anywhere. Anywhere represented a very restricted range of choices, compared to the kind of places magic could transport you to. The actual travelling was easy, It was achieving a destination which would, for example, allow you to survive in all four dimensions at once that took the real effort. In fact, the scope for error was so huge it seemed something of an anticlimax to emerge in a fairly ordinary, sandy-floored cavern. It contained, on the far wall, a door. There was no doubt it was a forbidding door. It looked as though its designer had studied all the cell doors he could find and had then gone away and produced a version for as it were, full visual orchestra. It was more of a portal. Some ancient and probably fearful warning was etched over its crumbling arch, but it was destined to remain unread because over it someone else had pasted a bright red-and-white notice which read You don't have to be damned to work here, but it helps. Rincewind squinted up at the notice. Of course I can read it, he said. I just don't happen to believe it. Multiple exclamation marks, he went on, shaking his head, are a sure sign of a diseased mind. He looked behind him. The glowing outlines of Eric's magic circle faded and winked out. I'm not being picky, you understand, he said. It's just that I thought you said you could get us back to Ankh. This isn't Ankh. I can tell by the little details, like the flickering red shadows and the distant screaming. In Ankh... "'The screaming is usually much closer,' he added. "'I think I did very well to get it to work at all,' said Eric, bridling. "'You're not supposed to be able to run magic circles in reverse. "'In theory it means you stay in the circle and reality moves around you. "'I think I did very well. "'You see,' he added, his voice suddenly vibrating with enthusiasm, "'if you rewrite the source codex and—this is the difficult bit— "'you route it through a high-level—yes, yes, 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 very clever— what will you people think up next said Rinswind the only thing is we're i think it's quite possible that we're in hell oh eric's lack of reaction made Rincewind curious you know he added the place with all the demons in it oh not a good place to be it's generally felt said rinswind you think we might be able to explain rinswind thought about this He wasn't, when you got right down to it, quite sure what it was that demons did to you. But he did know what humans did to you, and after a lifetime in Ankh-Morpork, this place could turn out to be an improvement, warmer at any rate.